Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting update. I have a brand new free resource. You all asked for it, so I created it. This is a relationship attachment quiz designed to help you understand your patterns in relationships. You can take this totally free quiz now by going to the link in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching and click attachment quiz. And you all know I love to hear from you. So either screenshot and tag me with your result or send me a DM letting me know your result from the quiz. You guys, this is totally free and this will be helpful to you. So go check it out. Can't wait for you to take the quiz and to share your results. I am so excited about this episode. Hello, it's Dr. Morgan. We are going to discuss something very important today, and that is three common strategies that people who have avoidant attachment use to distance in a relationship. So three distancing strategies used by someone with an avoidant attachment style, or perhaps they have a disorganized attachment style. And this is one of the ways that they show up in their relationships is with avoidant strategies. So basically, if you know about avoidant attachment, you know that it's someone who while they would like intimacy, they really struggle with closeness. They, they are known as, you know, the people who won't commit, etc. cetera. Um, a lot of times these are the people who, you know, want to take it incredibly slow in a relationship and maybe they really like their space. They're very busy with work or they have other things in their life that fill up all their time. And in dating, they really struggle with letting someone in, trusting someone, and building long-lasting intimacy. So if you're out there in the dating world, the reality is, is there are a lot of avoidantly attached people in the dating pool simply because they end up more frequently um, ending a relationship and getting back out into the dating world. So statistically, if you yourself do not have avoidant attachment, you will likely date someone with avoidant attachment. So it's really important to understand what is this attachment style? How do I know when it's happening, you know, and what can I do about it? So I want to talk about three ways you can spot avoidant attachment. Before I do that though, I have to say this. 
sometimes people with avoidant attachment kind of get a bad reputation and it drives me nuts, right? It's like, these are not people who just don't have a heart. Like they don't, you know, they have an ice box where their heart is supposed to be. That is not them. Just like any of us, they want intimacy. They want a healthy relationship. It's just that they've learned to equate closeness with pain, with feeling overwhelmed. They've learned that if I'm close to someone, maybe I'll lose myself. I'll lose my freedom. That person will have too many needs, right? So obviously they weren't born that way. There's experiences they've had throughout their life that have led to them approaching relationships in that way. You know, this is the, the lone wolf person who wants to go through life alone because it's safer. But ultimately, deep down, these people have intimacy needs in the same way that someone with anxious attachment has intimacy needs. They do as well. They simply have not learned how to have closeness and feel safe at the same time. So I don't want to give them a bad reputation. That's the last thing I'd want to do just setting the record straight. These are people who want love just like anyone else. They simply struggle and they have strategies that they use to create safety, which for them, safety feels like distance. For someone who's anxiously attached, safety feels like closeness, right? So no wonder these two attachment styles are so attracted to one another, right? They, they both, they both match each other's template for love. Okay. Enough of an intro. Let's get into it. So the three ways that you can notice or identify that someone may have an avoidant attachment style. Let's do it. So I'm going to call these the phantom X the myth of the one, and I like them, but okay. So the phantom X, this is actually talked about in the book attached by Mir Levine. And it's that idea that you never quite get over the X, right? That there was something so wonderful about the ex relationship and you never have gotten over it and no one will ever be as perfect as them. And you kind of will pedestal your ex. And here's the thing. Anxiously attached folks will do this as well. Um, but avoidantly attached folks will use this in a new relationship. So let's say they're in the new relationship things maybe are going well and the ex will come up. Maybe they'll talk about the ex a lot or they'll, they'll bring the ex up. They'll, maybe they'll even compare their partner to their ex and they might even say it to them. And it's used as a way to get distance. It's used as a way to deactivate their own attachment to you, right? If I'm comparing you to my ex and my ex is better, then I don't have to feel so attached to you, right? So the phantom X is a way for them to feel more distant, hence feel more safe, 
right? And of course, a lot of these strategies are unconscious. And unless you've done some work, you're not aware that you're doing them. All right. So that's number one, the phantom X. Number two, the myth of the one. This one is hilarious to me because I see this a lot in people with avoidant attachment. Um, And for some reason, I think this happens more in younger generations. I could be wrong. That's just kind of my perception of it. And I think that might be because of social media. Um, Anyways, but this is the idea that you're just waiting for that perfect person, right? It's like, if I'm, um, you know, if I'm a guy and I'm saying, well, she's going to be five, six, she's going to have blonde hair and blue eyes and she'll be a yogi and she'll love to go horseback riding. And she'll also be into, you know, trading stocks and she'll want to go to Italy with me. And, you know, she'll speak Italian as well. Like, what ends up happening is someone builds up this idea of quote unquote, the one. And unless they're people that they're dating meet those criteria, they don't allow themselves to emotionally invest fully, right? It's this illusion of, well, there's the one out there. That person doesn't exist. And even if you get someone who has a lot of the things that you want, we all know that no relationship is perfect and there's going to be things you have to work on. So the myth of the one is a distancing strategy. Once again, it's a way to protect themselves from fully emotionally investing in a connection with you, right? If I'm holding out for the one then I don't have to fully invest in this current relationship. Okay. That's a painful one. If you've been on the other end of it, sometimes it could be someone saying like, well, you're great. It's just that, you know, I really, I I just don't know that the spark is there or I just don't know if I can date someone who doesn't love to travel as much as I do et cetera, et cetera, right? Like it can be painful to be on the receiving end of that deactivating strategy. Uh, Sorry, I should say distancing strategy. It could be the same thing, I guess, if you're deactivating intimacy, but hopefully y'all know what I mean by now. Um, But yeah, that can be painful if you're on the receiving end of it. I just want to acknowledge that. Um, Let's move on to the third one. So this one is also interesting and you'll hear this one a lot too. Listen for this. When you talk to people, maybe your friends say this, people, you know, um, this is also a distancing strategy. It's a way to not get too invested. So people who say, I really like them. They are kind. They're sweet. They're a good person. They're pretty good looking. They seem to have a good head on their shoulders, etc. But, and then insert the thing, right? I really like them, but I feel like, you know, they want more intimacy than I do, or I really like them, but 
I'm worried that in five years, we're going to want to live in different cities. You know, obviously I'm, I'm kind of giving some examples here, but an avoidant attachment strategy for distancing can be to focus on the one thing or maybe the couple things, you know, that are unappealing to you or could potentially be an issue. So instead of focusing on all the things you appreciate about the person, you're focused on the ways that they don't match what you want. Um, And when we're securely attached, what we do is we either talk with the person about it Or we accept that person for who they are and we look at all the positive things and we allow ourselves to fall in love with someone for who they are, which includes their, you know, quote unquote flaws. Um, Another thing to think about with this is that, you know, gosh, if, if you're dating someone and things are going really well and you are getting closer And, you know, I'm just going to give a silly example. And maybe they say, I really like you, but I just can't stand it when you chew with your mouth open. So I don't know if this is going to work. Okay. That would be really mean, but maybe that's happened to you. Right. But clearly that is a distancing strategy, you know, and what you would want to do is be able to say, wow, that's really hurtful. You know, I feel like everything in our relationship is going well. I don't understand why you would pick that one thing, right? Like you'd want to be able to point it out. Um, and I think, I think obviously this is something that's not conscious, once again, it's it's likely something that'll come up if the relationship is going well, if there is intimacy and you're getting closer and then the person says, oh, but there's this one thing, you know, but a securely attached couple, a couple who wants to grow together, that want to show up in the relationship together, they will work through this kind of conversation, Right. Um, so even someone who does have some avoidant attachment and maybe they're prone to trying to find ways to, you know, quote unquote, get out of the relationship or distance themselves, that person is still capable of intimacy and closeness and long-term connection. Sometimes you just have to be able to show up in the conversation with them and kind of challenge them on what they're saying. So I hope this was helpful. This episode covered three ways you can identify avoidant attachment style. We talked about three distancing strategies. The first one was the phantom X. The second one was the myth of the one. And the third one was the classic. I like them, but... I hope this was helpful. I really appreciate all of y'all listening. If you have questions about avoidant attachment or maybe disorganized attachment or even anxious attachment, I am an attachment theory nerd. I live and breathe this stuff 
feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. Also, if you screenshot this episode, share it to your story and tag me, I will absolutely make my day. I love knowing when you're listening to the episodes. Um, and PPS, if you have not left a five-star written review on Apple podcasts, that would mean the world to me. That's how the show gets more listeners. Uh, reviews help the show be found. So that's honestly the best way that you can thank me. This podcast is not free to produce. So by you doing that small thing, it definitely encourages me to keep putting episodes out. I hope this was helpful. I love talking about attachment theory. Any episode that has attachment theory is always fun for me. And you know what? I, of course, of course, of course, gotta say, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.